Who here has ever had a back problem? Well, if you have, you know how it can limit your activities and refer pain to many other parts of your body. Consequently, having a well-aligned and strong back is one of the fundamental requirements to living a healthy life. So if your back is misaligned, you go to the doctor, a chiropractor or an orthopedic, and you ask them to help you get back into alignment. The same can be said of our spiritual life. If our conscience is poorly formed, then our actions and our spiritual life become disordered. That is the message of our first reading from Nehemiah and our gospel reading from Luke today. Get right with the Lord and tell others to do the same. Or to put it a different way, restore yourself to holiness and tell others to do the same. Our first reading from Nehemiah takes place approximately 445 BC. The scribe Ezra and the governor Nehemiah are trying to restore the Israelites to their former glory in Jerusalem. You see, 150 years earlier, around the sixth year 600 BC, the Lord had allowed the Israelites to be conquered by the Babylonians as a result of their falling away from the Lord. Imagine that, being conquered by another power, leaving all of your belongings behind, being forced to move and walk several hundred miles to another location, to live in an area where you never lived before. Just think of how traumatic that would be. The Babylonians, in turn, were conquered by the King Cyrus of Persia, who freed the Israelites and allowed them to go home. So now here we have the Israelites, a broken people, returning to a broken land. The land was broken because the walls of Jerusalem had been toppled and the gates burned by the Babylonians. So Nehemiah the governor is trying to rebuild the wall to provide security. How about that? 2,600 years ago we were trying to build a wall. You see, <clears throat> oh, sorry. the Israelites were a broken people because they had lost their cultural identity. After 150 years, all the original exiles had died, and those returning had never lived in Jerusalem. Many of them had forgotten what it meant to be Jewish, their laws, their customs, their beliefs. They had lost all of that. So now they were coming back to Jerusalem trying to regain that. Today's reading takes place as Ezra is instructing the people in the Torah or the law. He's reminding them of the central importance of their covenant with God. He is reteaching them the law that was transmitted to them by Moses. Now returning to the back analogy, he was giving them a spiritual alignment. We read how the people bowed down and prostrated themselves before the Lord with their face to the ground. We hear later how the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. 
This was an acknowledgement that they knew that they had done wrong. They knew they had strayed from the Lord. This is similar to the discomfort and then the relief we feel when we've received a back adjustment. Things seem different, but they're better. Now, in our Gospel reading today, we read the account of Jesus' attendance at the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. By the way, I would love to have been there when he finished reading that proclamation from Isaiah and sat down. Just imagine the anticipation that all those people felt waiting for what he would have to say. This is the beginning of his ministry in the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we read in John's Gospel the beginning of his ministry at the wedding feast at Cana. But in Luke's Gospel, it actually begins here in this synagogue. And Jesus is telling the people that he is the fulfillment of the law, the law that Ezra had taught the people five or six hundred years earlier. First it says that Jesus went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Well, you know, this means that even Jesus went to church. He went to the synagogue every Sabbath day, which was a Saturday for them, to worship the Lord. Just like we come here to church on Sundays to worship the Lord. Second, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Well, guess what? We're all anointed. Every one of us is anointed as a priest, prophet, and king when we are baptized as Catholics into the Catholic faith. We are all called to spread our faith to everybody in this world. Third, it says he's come to bring glad tidings to the poor. Who are the poor? Well, the poor were not the physical poor, the poor of lack of goods. The poor here are those who have accepted the faith with a humble heart, meaning they have faith due only to the great love of God. The Lord Jesus comes to pick them up and then encourage them in their faith. Next, he proclaims liberty to the captives. Who are captives? Well, you could say that we're all captives. We're all captives when we are enslaved by our sin. Jesus walked in our shoes. He himself suffered the same temptations we suffered, but he did not sin. He is that great inspiration, that great teacher. He provides strength to us to free us from our sins, the seven deadly sins of lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. And finally, it says that he will provide recovery of sight to the blind. Who are the blind? Well, the blind are those in our society 
who are blinded to the truth. The truth of God's love for us. The truth that we must live our lives in accordance with the commandments given to us. Now, there's many in our society who know what that truth is, but ignore it. Some of them are politicians who are blind to the truth as they leave their Catholic faith behind in favor of some powerful political constituency. So here we have two readings that call us to holiness and tell others to do the same. But what does that mean to us today? Well, I think it's safe to say that as a Western society, we, like the Israelites returning from exile, have lost our way. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. We see fewer people engaged with the faith, fewer people coming to church. We see redefinition and attacks on the sacrament of marriage. We see changes in how people view themselves in their own sexuality. Many people have lost their way. But one area that I'd like to talk about in the remaining time I have today is the area of abortion. 46 years ago, this past Tuesday, our Supreme Court handed down the infamous Roe versus Wade decision that legalized abortion in the United States. Since then, a mighty war has raged with staggering casualties. 60 million dead babies. 60 million. And millions more men and women wounded by the regret of their decision. When you think of the number 60 million, to put that in perspective, the entire population of the state of Illinois is 12 million people. It would be five states of Illinois that have been killed over these past 46 years through abortion. Now, I know that we've been fighting this good fight during this past week at the March for Life. You see many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, young people, talking about the value and the sanctity of human life. So you get a sense that, you know what, there is progress being made. But the war is definitely not over. This past Tuesday, the self-described Catholic governor for the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, signed into law the misleading legislation called the Reproductive Health Act, which provides state-funded abortions by doctors or non-doctors up to the moment of birth. And not to be undone, our own governor in the state of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, signed an executive order expanding abortion access in Illinois and then promising to make Illinois, and I quote, the most progressive state in the nation. 
when it comes to abortion access. So the battle is not over. The battle is still being fought every day, every day. Now, I know that the abortion industry preys on people who are vulnerable and afraid. I know that many men and women have deep regrets with their past abortions. If you or someone you know is suffering the effects of an abortion, please know that our Lord Jesus Christ loves you and will always love you despite what you've done. And that our church is here, ready with a sacrament of reconciliation to provide forgiveness and to help you overcome your sorrow. We all need to be that vocal advocate for life, whether it be in our families, in our social circles, at work, or with our politicians. Abortion today is the human rights issue of our time. There is no other human rights issue greater than that, simply because the unborn child has no voice. No voice. We will look back on these times many years down the road and wonder why we did this to our unborn children. In many ways, we are present in today's readings. Maybe we are like the Israelites who have lost touch with the foundations of our faith. More likely, we are like Ezra, trying to rebuild that solid faith foundations in others through a spiritual adjustment. And finally, let us be like Jesus in today's Gospel, bringing glad tidings to the poor, liberty to captives, and sight to the blind.